street epistemology is a wonderful approach that anyone can learn. You can learn more about street epistemology at streetepistemology.com. about um, like like analogies and stuff and how good is it to use analogies mm. or um, what's another word for it those hypotheticals okay and I find it kind of oh and another thing I'd like to talk about is falsifiability and how to do we did that in one talk before but yeah, yeah the hypotheticals and analogies and kind of like what the difference of those are and when are they effective and when are they like not effective when okay. are they in fact kind of i guess i should also preface anything that i say is really just like my own really small yeah. personal opinion i would recommend even if i say something that sounds really good you know take it with a Fact grain check. of salt and get some <laughs> other people in there to like i don't want a carbon copy of me i want you to like take the best things of what I'm saying, take the best things of someone else and like make your own thing. Like sure, here are I some appreciate cool that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I also feel to be able to um, understand what you're coming with effectively, I really need to mm. get into it and really understand it in order to then be able to kind of like question it and find my own kind oh. of style yeah. of doing it, if you know what I mean. You want to then like maybe get to the foundation of where I'm coming from and then maybe we can work from there and I'll throw in uh, where I come in. If I think if I explain my base, Mm -hmm. where I'm coming with with regard to falsifiability and analogies probably would make more sense. Okay. Um, my position, both religiously, spiritually, philosophical, all that stuff, scientifically, all that stuff is, I don't know. And I, and I think I don't know is a really good place to start because one, it's, it's a position that I can be really confident in. Um, I know that I don't know something. I can test that. You can put me an MRI. You can give me a test. I can fail it over and over again. It's like, look, I don't know this. Like, I can't demonstrate knowledge if I don't have it. And I'm aware that I don't have it. And I can test that I don't have it. So I can be very, very, very confident. And I'm beginning to think I can be 100% confident in this, like absolutely confident that I don't know something. And if my position is, I don't know, it's not an end point. Like, I can still go through efforts to learn things. But I just feel like I don't know is like the most unbiased position to come to knowledge. When I say I kind of know something and I'm making claims and I'm trying to learn something, that might color my perspective of it. But if I say I don't know, but I'm trying to learn this, that's a really mm -hmm. good angle for me to come from. It's also a position where I don't need to accept any burden of evidence because I've already can demonstrate that I don't know it. And I should be authority of what I know and what I don't know. So if I come to the conversation with someone who does know something, in my perspective, we both started from the same place of I don't know, but they became convinced that they did know something. So mm -hmm. all I'm trying to find out is 
what is the process that they use to learn that thing? What convinced them? And is that thing that convinced them reliable? Not the conclusion, like the conclusion might actually be true, mm -hmm. but in order for me to be convinced that they're right, I have to see a reliable path towards there. So you talk about analogies. One I've been working on for a while is the coin flip analogy. Oh, excuse me, I just woke up. My voice is cracking left and right. So like <laughs> if I had a coin, right? And I flipped it. Uh, I don't know what kind of Swedish coins. Kroner, Kroner, do you use Kroner or Euros in Finland? Uh, we use Euros. Okay, so if I had a Euro, they have a, do they have heads and tails? Um, they have like, they got like a globe on one side and they've got like, like a Europe weird... on one side and then they've got, uh, the, the, wait a second, Bobby, I haven't looked at those forever. Do they, do you call them heads and tails of the two sides? I bet we do because I mean, we do do the heads and tails things. Um, okay, cool. So stuff. you have a, I know what you're talking you... about. <laughs> so you have a euro that has a heads and tails yeah. you flip it you catch it now it's on the back of my hand it's not on its mm -hmm. side it can only be one of two things heads or tails right mm -hmm. so at this point i don't know if it's heads or tails and i normally ask the person i'm talking to if they know it's heads or tails they'll say they don't know either and now mm -hmm. we're both in a position where we don't know if it's heads or tails so at this point you know i could flip a thousand other coins i could do a lot of scientific examples and show okay we flipped a bazillion other coins scientifically in the same environment and we got a 50-50, like 50 mm -hmm. of them were heads, 50 were tails. That's inconclusive for me to figure out if this coin is heads or tails. Mm -hmm. So at this point, you know, I, I don't have science to give me conclusive evidence and I don't know it and I know I don't know it and it doesn't look like anyone else around me knows. So at this point when I don't have enough conclusive evidence to come to a conclusion, I don't know just that isn't just an option. It's actually the best answer to give. Mm -hmm. And I think in a lot of intellectual, in, with regard to intellectual honesty, I don't know is probably the best position to come from with regards to answering something that you don't have conclusive evidence for. Um, and it's totally fine because I could cut, I totally could find out just by, you know, revealing my hand, that's totally mm -hmm, fine. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if someone comes to me and says, I know that's heads, I know this coin's heads. And I ask them, well, how'd you know it? They're like, well, I have a deep and personal relationship with coins that are heads up. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, I don't know if that's convincing for this. That's how I take a lot of like the perspective of people who claim to know something that's like supernatural or yeah. claim to know that something in history happened or claim to know what they did yesterday. Like I will, I will be happy to believe them when I have a reliable way to understand how they got there. And the standard that I would need for me to believe them might be different based on what they say. If they tell me, Hey, Tyrone, I ate some licorice and pizza yesterday. I'm like, yeah, I ate licorice and pizza too. Rock on, let's go, let's go. Licorice and pizza, it's a good meal. I, I That's basically all I need because that's a mundane claim for me. We have licorice, we have pizza, people eat them. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. But if someone said, hey, listen, I ate a fourth planet in the solar system and it blew up as a supernova on my belly and then I flew to space on an intergalactic turtle and I met Iron Man, I'm like, you, well, hold up. You're a fundamentally, if, that's, if you're trying to tell me you're serious, you're telling me some you're telling me things that are fundamentally different from how I understand reality. And you're going to need a lot more evidence to back up what you're saying rather than just a little story, because I'm going to need, you know, facts about the universe that I don't understand. I'm going to need some planetary evidence. I'm going to need, you know, evidence that Iron Man's a real guy, all these things add up. So for a supernatural claim, that's such a monumental expression. Mm -hmm. It's such an awesome thing to say, literally awesome. It like inspires awe in me to say, hey, there's a guy who is a god, or there's a guy who's a son of a god, or there's a being that created the universe. These things 
need more evidence than a book or a feeling or you know a personal motivation or it makes me feel a better person for me to come to the conclusion that they're true i'm still at the position where i don't know doesn't mean that they're wrong it just means that i've not been given the evidence yet to come to a conclusive conclusion conclusive conclusion mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. they're right yeah what do you what do you think about that so far oh complete crystal clear like you're oh, okay. basically verbalizing um what i think okay when i can think clearly it's not that i wouldn't be able to get mixed up on that and that somebody could trip me up on on whether i really think that or not but um yeah that's how i think when i think clearly especially okay. with the i don't know position so um, the with regard to the last conversation that you had there mm -hmm. was a lot of times where because i've been doing this enough maybe only only for really a couple of years to be honest with you i only became like an atheist before when I was in my last year of like grad school, I think that's mm -hmm. when I literally switched when I went to Sweden, like in 2015 or so. So like, it's really only been about three years or so. All right. But um, the thing that I realized is that when you're having these engagements with people who do believe in a God, mm -hmm. you need to have a means of talking to them that keeps you from adopting a burden of proof mm -hmm. because your position is, I don't know, which you don't, which you have all the proof you need to say that like, you are you, you know what you know, you can demonstrate that you don't know it, you're done. That's a mundane thing to say that I don't know mm -hmm. something. They're saying yeah. I do know something and I have evidence to support it. Mm. That's that's your route to, that's from your position of I don't know, you need to ask those questions to get there without saying, well, how do you know it's not like this? Because now you've adopted the burden mm -hmm. of proof. And from their position, they are saying, well, I'll just knock down your argument and I'll be right by default. And that's not mm -hmm. how it's a good way to understand things. So like if someone said, Linda, why are you an atheist? What do you say? Or what would, how would you take that? Oh, why am I an atheist? Uh, because theists exist. What? I don't understand that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't understand that. <laughs> um, um, because there are theists who exist because theists exist. So I don't, I don't understand. Um, or because the, theism exists. I view it as a um, response to theism. Um, without theism, I would have no need to label myself as atheist. It would be just um, bizarre. Ah, uh, so it's like more of, that was more of a semantical question. You're right. Um, mm -hmm. I meant more like, why don't you believe in a God? Oh, um, why don't I believe in a God? I haven't. I don't know what people mean by God and I haven't found evidence for the the propositions or the definitions of God that have been presented to me. And if they said, that's not a good reason not to believe in a God. Well, why is it not? Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, how can I make myself believe? I think the better, I, it's I not think. not so much a choice, really, I think, for me. I think you're answering those those really well. I think though the point that um, I want to bring out is that you don't need to have a reason not to believe something. You need to have a reason to believe something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So normally when I get that question or a variant of that question thrown to me, it's like, why aren't you an atheist? Or why don't you believe in a God? Or what's your proof that a God doesn't exist? I'm, I, I, I immediately stop that kind of line of questioning just to mm -hmm. illustrate that. My point is, I don't know. I don't have a position on mm -hmm. whether that God exists or doesn't exist. I am looking for evidence to come to a conclusion. And right now, I don't know is the best position to have because I don't have conclusive evidence either way. You're saying that you do know, or you're saying mm -hmm. that you don't know. 
I've talked to both people. I've been kicked out of an atheist meetup group once for calling people out for not believing in God to to like 100%. I'm like, how do you know that there is no God? And then they're like, you must be a secret theist who came to our organization. They kicked me out. I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. But um, uh, I say, if you if you have a belief that you are very, very confident in, there must be some sort of reasoning behind that. If I don't have that belief, I don't need to have a reasoning behind it. I don't know is the default position. Mm -hmm. We call that the null hypothesis. Are you familiar with that? Or have you ever heard anyone say that I've before? I've heard that. Um, I've looked it up. I've read about it. Mm. When you say it like that, everything you said before null hypothesis, I'm like, yes, I completely agree. I completely get it. But okay. then I go like, null hypothesis. What does it mean? I have this problem where I think I kind of like get stuff and then I need to use it myself. I guess it's kind of like language. Sure, yeah, you understand so. you it first, yeah. but it's hard to construct sentences, you know, okay. understand like where your um, thoughts are being um, conveyed appropriately. And I sure. feel that's where I am with all of this language and critical thinking and being able to express it is I can identify it and understand it, mm. but I can't really always. Like when I try to construct those sentences and make those points myself, I go like, wait, that wasn't exactly it. Sure. And then I have to go back and go like, what did I do wrong? And why, why can't I express it? Like, so, so something isn't completely clear. I'll say in your, mm -hmm. in your benefit, you have like three languages going on that you're balancing in your head right now. And that's mm -hmm. really impressive. Mm -hmm. I wonder, I wonder if like the context of words, I think it's, I think it's obvious that it does, but like the context of words that you use change in the language that you use them in. Is that accurate? Uh, sometimes, yeah, uh, a little bit. But then also, I do feel like I am linguistically kind of muddled. So I kind mm. of like take, I take stuff, like I can say phrases that we don't have in Swedish, but I say okay. them in an English way because I learned them when I was a kid. Mm. Um, so for example, just to give an example of that, um, in English, we say that we blow our nose. When okay. We, um, take a piece of paper and empty it of its, its contents. And in Swedish, we say that we um, snoot the nest, and there is an actual yeah. there is an actual word for when you empty your nose, and it doesn't mean blow. It, it's not okay. like wind blowing, you know. Sure, 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 sure. That. But uh, I have a tendency to sometimes say when I'm not really thinking about it, I say blow samminesa, which would mean uh, I'm, like I get it. You're blowing your nose, but you use I guess yeah. English terms to borrow yeah. into it. And uh, Swedish people will then react to that and go like, what, what do you do with your nose? <laughs> and uh, so I think I can uh, kind of take certain this isn't, meanings this isn't, stuff onto. I'm sorry to go on a tangent, but this isn't exactly what you're dealing with, but I have gone to like Swedish grocery stores mm -hmm. and I'll be like, man, I need this item, but I don't know the name for it in, in Swedish. So I'll just say it in English with a really heavy uh, Swedish accent and see if I get close enough. <laughs> and so I'll be like, they'll be like, "Do uh, you need help?" And I'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I need aluminum foil." And they'll be like, "Oh yeah, aluminum foil." And they'll bring me a box that says aluminum foil, and I'm like, "Yeah, ooh, that's a freebie. I got foil today." So oh, I love it happens that. all the time. Yeah, but actually what my point now was, um, was that I, I'm to, um, I don't know if my uh, trilingualism is making um, SE uh, that much harder for me. I think uh, it's an advantage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but my point was like the, 
I was making, I was doing an analogy between um, how effective I am at uh, expressing my um, my points. Sure, I understand. I think challenges make you stronger, regardless yeah. of what they are. And I think you're going to end out of this with probably some of the best SE in the entire movement. You will. But it will be worth it. So. I have a, I, my background's in science. Um, yeah. I, I have like a career where I go around and I talk to people about scientific terms and I like oh, to I condense that. really complicated things into like analogies that are simple. And I'm finding it's really useful in SE as well cool. for the null hypothesis. And I'm working on my analogies too. I think it's an ever evolving process, but mm -hmm. like right now I have a pot in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that pot that I have is either full or it's empty. Can we like full or not full? basically. Mm -hmm. Can we agree that it has to be one of those two things? Are you familiar with like logical absolutes, non-excluded middle, things mm -hmm. like that? Okay. okay. So that pot that I have in my I'm kitchen sure. is either is either full or not full, right? Mm -hmm. Which one is it? I don't know. That's, that's the null <laughs> hypothesis. So that's okay. the correct answer because you don't have enough information to make an assessment. So I gave you a situation where only two possible answers were available or really two yeah. possible states were available. A full pot or a not full pot. There's no there's no middle ground there. It's either full or it's not full. And my um, answer is the null hypothesis. Your answer is the null hypothesis. The I don't know if it's either one or the other. And that mm -hmm. is a valid answer to give because you didn't come to the situation understanding that it's full and then it was empty, it was empty, and then that was full. You're saying I don't have enough information to come to an answer either way. I'm null on the position. N U L L. I don't have a position. Can you I have try no out position. A an analogy on you or a higher Yo, rock it out. Cool Go for it. Go for it. that I've been working or that just came to mind one day yeah, when I was, um, and I think it is the null hypothesis but I'm not sure <laughs> so um, uh, and it's kind of I guess like a thought experiment thing no cool. I don't know if I'm using that right analogy thought experiment yeah because I don't really know what it's talking about but yeah um, Actually, I came to think about this when um, I was speaking to a lady who thinks it's really obvious that God exists, kind of, like it's the default kind of thing. And then she and she was asking me kind of like the whole like, um, like, how, how come you are not? Um, why don't you? I guess it's like, yeah, why, why don't you believe then? Um, because it's so <laughs> obvious. I'm trying to catch up. Well, anyway, I'll just do the analogy and then I'll try and figure out why I what what it what it actually um okay possibly um conveys. Okay, so there's this problem like how can I know whether I have a um step brother or sister or not step that would be in law or something, but um just that I have a half brother or sister that I don't know of. Okay. Um, like, can I prove that? Oh, I guess this comes with like the proving the negative thing that I yeah, it's kind of weird. Gotten in my face several times, and when I try to explain why I can't prove a negative, because that's what people ask too. They go like, "Well, why can't you prove it?" And this was the best thing I came up with. Like, if I had the um, the somebody asked me to prove that I have not got a half brother or sister that would be virtually like impossible because i cannot um account for all my father's semen um throughout his life and the where it went 
um, I can kind of like interview my parents and come to a high level of confidence that they decided that they wanted these two kids. Um, but I cannot know whether my mother possibly mis miscarried at one point and she doesn't want to talk about it because oh, it's man, a sensitive subject. Oh man, this is really subject. complicated. Yeah. <laughs> this is really, um, really complicated. <laughs> like there's, there's no way I could be able to, even though it makes sense to me that me and my brother are the only siblings in our family. I cannot know at 100% that I do not have a, a half a brother or sister. Also, because my mother could possibly get pregnant and uh, miscarry a, a child without knowing it. Can I, can, I, can I throw something out? Yep. The hallmark of design. Have you ever mm -hmm. heard me talk about that before? When you're trying to design something, when you're trying to yeah. design something, particularly mm -hmm. like an analogy, you'll yeah. see, uh, you'll, you'll find out that like. Simple is better. The, Simple is better. Yeah, I have heard you speak about this. Okay, so right now you have an analogy. So we, we threw out two analogies so far. I had one where there was a pot in my kitchen. Mm -hmm. Done. Like it's either full or it's not full. Right. And then the analogy that you have is step siblings, the promiscuity of your father, <laughs> the allocation of sperm over many generations, miscarriages, <laughs> uh, family, family things that are like maybe really sensitive right at the moment. Mm -hmm. I feel like the more simple you can get that example, the better it is. And you don't have to necessarily use mine, but the hallmark of a good example, particularly when you're trying to explain a complicated thing, is a much more simpler example. Right. Yeah. And that's why I like the coin flip analogy. It's like, is it heads or tails? I don't know. There's your null hypothesis right there again. Like, I don't know it's a position because I don't have a position that it's heads and I don't have a position that it's tails. Am I being saying, I don't know? I'm not saying it's either one. I'm saying, here's this option that I have that's actually the best option until I have better evidence. Okay, so if somebody is asking me then to prove that it is either or, it's kind of like I'm, I haven't gotten that far. Right? I, have, I don't know. Do you have know. a position? So typically when you get, if you're confronted with that position, uh -huh. honestly, you're, you can honestly say that you don't know and you mm -hmm. actually think that I don't know is the best answer for that position. Mm -hmm. And if they supplement that with, well, I here's what it actually is, then what you should say is, I don't know, but I'm interested in hearing what you have to say. Let's talk about your method because my mm -hmm. position is I don't know and I think that's the best answer so far. And I normally I haven't had a person disagree with me that I don't know. They actually accept that as an invitation for them to start pronouncing what they believe. Mm -hmm. And now they had the burden again. And now we can talk about their burden and mm -hmm. basically focus on their methodology, not mine, because I don't have a methodology anywhere. I'm already at the base position of, I don't know. Right. I'm at a and valid. If, and if somebody would say to me, like, I'm not going to listen to you unless you explain to me why you cannot prove a negative. Is that yeah. like, well, then we're not going to um, be able to continue or how do I continue? Well, again, you don't have to have the conversation. A conversation takes two people. And as soon as All someone right. says, I'm not listening to you, they've okay. already assessed that they're not having a conversation with you. And mm. there's really nothing you can do about that. So, you know, you know, thank you for your time. <laughs> That's basically the things like when you're willing, uh, I'm willing to have a conversation where we both can listen to each other. And if that's not what you're interested in, that's totally fine with me. Uh, we can talk again later if you're willing to have that. This is so cool. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um let's talk can we get into um let's see that youtube interview that you had with dean meadows okay All which right. one <laughs> uh, oh i'm sorry the latest one that you just had yeah 
yeah, I just um, I, I had the chance this morning to go because I'm really slow with all this studying stuff. Because I noticed if I go too fast, what are you studying? Then no, what are you I studying? see myself. Oh, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> like okay. so, um, this is called studying with Tyrone. Oh, cool! <laughs> I got my own page. <laughs> and I went went through your <laughs> your um, feedback and wrote down everything. That I wanted to take. Oh, I write notes to to basically um, think through want, the feedback. Do you want to go over it all right now? What What did you want to do with that? Yeah. 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 Let's. Um. So, uh, like in the first two minutes of the conversation, mm -hmm. I know you guys had some conversations before, so I felt like maybe I was missing a little steps. Maybe you went into it in more detail later on, but um, you brought up the topic of let's talk about the resurrection. And mm -hmm. he was like, yeah, I'm totally going to talk about the resurrection. And then he started making claims. But the thing was, um, typically when you, when, you, when you have an SE talk about a particular claim, before I throw out the confidence scale, I like to try to get as specific as possible about the claim yeah. as I can. There's two yeah. reasons because of that. One, when you have a very vague topic, like when someone says, well, I'm, I don't believe in a God, but I'm spiritual, that you have such this cloud that you're trying to like understand and there's a very good chance that the person you're talking to doesn't have understand it either and when you start getting to like some really targeted questions mm -hmm. they'll just shift the goalpost they'll like start talking about something else that's within that cloud and they'll right. wiggle out of your line of reasoning and that's not good for either party get out of the cloud yeah so yeah. when they say like oh i'm sorry go ahead you want to start no, go for just it. that i i uh, realized that in the moment that i went to past that too fast and um uh, thing is that we we had spoken about that before and i know that it's yeah. the christian god and it's the bible that the, the script the scriptures right. that he's referring to and all that but i never saw it of course yeah, yeah i know and nobody else had either so and i'm doing this for the benefit <laughs> of the viewer and not just for myself although i do realize that i'm at the point where this is um a lot to do to do with me learning yeah but, but the, yeah, it's always for the benefit of the viewer too, for, for somebody else uh, learning SE or just anybody um, who comes along who wants to uh, learn something from that conversation. So for that, so I get to do this again. specific thing in me, Bobby. Yeah. You can recap. This is what we talked about in the past between myself and the person I was talking to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, to have everybody with in the conversation. Yes. Um, I think um also if he's resurrection there's a lot of different versions of the resurrection even mm -hmm. in the bible if i brought you one bible there's yeah. two different at least two different versions of the bible resurrection some that say that jesus was buried in like an open thing uh open place burial ground some that say mm -hmm. he was buried where there was a stone that was rolled in front that was rolled away that mary magdalene mm -hmm. saw there was accounts where everything like had an earthquake when he died and there was things that ripped apart like when he died Others that just had him die and that was it. And they took his body away. There's like, you should never get caught up in those details mm -hmm. because it's not your onus to bring the details. It's the person who says that the resurrection happened to have the details. Right. And so what you should say, or at least what I would, maybe a path to take in the future would be like, yeah. what do you mean by resurrection? Like, don't assume that you know what he's talking yes. about. Just say, what do you mean when you say that? Just to give him the chance to get a very specific detailed example of it. Mm. And if he says, well, you know, just generally the resurrection, just generally, mm. ask him which specific version is he referencing as the most, or presenting as the most accurate retelling of that story. Yeah. Because then that gets him onto the, uh, okay, well, this is, I am aware that there's conflicts with narratives, but this is the one that I think is the best one. And if you can't get to there, 
just the idea that he's thinking that there's narratives that he can follow and narratives that he can't is enough to have that good thinking SC conversation. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think what I did uh, before that was I got too, I was too, like, um, uh, I spent too much time on the what. Mm. Like, went too, without even um, really being good at asking the in my IP to be very specific, I w- we just went through the, down this rabbit hole of um, not being able to, not me being able to understand what they were saying. <laughs> Just okay. as a claim, like not being able to focus in on a claim. Right, right. So I, I can also go like the wrong way with that. But right. of course, you would have to break down me also, doing yeah, that. that. Everything that you're doing in SE is is perfect with regards to like managing a conversation, being mm. a kind host, being respectful, having people want to talk to you longer. Like this is even already great for me. So like this is. You, you've mastered the hardest part of SE, which is the social aspect. I can't tell you, I've had conversations before with people who know who know what like methodologies are and talk about them, but have no personable aspects that make me want to continue talking to them. And mm. that is the much harder mountain to climb. Absolutely. Than knowing what question to ask and when to ask it. So like, we're just fine tuning things, if anything. And I think your path ahead is great. Um, quick thing, this is an easy fix. I hope this is an easy fix. Yeah. But the confidence scale that you throw out is like mm-hmm. one to 100. One to 100, the lowest number that I can give is still a one. And that might not even reflect how I'm really confident mm-hmm. or how little confidence I have in something. I think zero to 100 is a better example. It's just an easier two states to to understand, nothing all. Um, if I was 1% confident about something, in my mind, that doesn't even seem like I'm completely confident that it's not the case. It still right. sounds like I'm a little bit confident. It's like a Christian coming up to you and being like, how confident are you or that Jesus is the son of God between 98 and 100? <laughs> yeah. um, let's see. Uh, also, yo, uh, his main argument is that I believe in the resurrection just as much as American history. Mm. Did you catch that? I did. Okay. And, um, if he wouldn't have, uh, wanted to put himself on the scale, I would have said that that's not, um, accurate, but because he went on the scale, mm. I kind of thought that he wasn't bringing the history thing along with it. So okay, I made yeah. a, a misjudgment in the in the situation. Um, I'm, I'm really quick to abandon the scale. Like mm-hmm. if I see some resistance stuff against it, I'm mm-hmm. willing to throw it out completely. Yeah. Um, I look at a lot of other things to give me an impression of how confident someone is, like their body language mm-hmm. or like just the way they're expressing themselves. I had a conversation with a guy named Tim. He didn't want, I don't think he wanted to give me a specific number. Maybe he did, but like I, I asked him how confident he was and he said pretty confident, but he was kind of like, um, like uh just kind of like closed to the position is like arms are closed and he's kind of like leaning forward and he's like oh, no, i'm pretty confident like pretty quiet mm-hmm. about it and by the end he's like well yeah i'm 90 percent, but I, I think he said 90 percent. yeah i'm 90 percent. that's basically i don't know right like he was way more open and i think he was more accepting of the idea that it's okay not to know something even if you claim a high confidence in it. so like that's that is progress even like in a short chat mm-hmm. so like if someone gives resistance to a confidence scale, throw it out he's had pretty confident yeah. set up for 90s Good. But my issue is the equivocation of American history with like supernatural claims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I need to work on now. Like, how do I then, how do I, 
how do I um, put put light on that? Mm, yeah. So in a good way. It, I think you come from a really cool perspective because it doesn't sound like you have like a religious upbringing. Is that mm -hmm. accurate? Yeah, true. Okay, so like the things that I hear <laughs> and maybe go, ah, 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 he's doing the thing again because I've heard it all my life. And I've even been ones to like preach those kinds of things to other people. And I'm like, and then I'm like, ah, oh, I can't believe I said those things. So I have like a really, really long relationship with like these fallacies. Yeah. So when I hear someone else say them, they pop out to me really fast. But I think you're generally hearing them for like, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. Rather than like, oh, that's BS. I need to take this thing down. Let me start working on a question to ask. Do 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 blop and then destruction. <laughs> it's interesting to hear you describe it like that because I do um, often when I watch um, like the atheist experience or other mm -hmm. things online and people just go like, oh, it's a fallacy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I've got these fallacy cards here that I've just gotten that I'm starting to um, study. Where did okay. I put my fallacy cards? Um, I kind of go like, well, see Can I see them? How... Yeah. Like, oh! <laughs> these guys are those from that website yeah they are you yeah. see that okay that's awesome sort of. i got similar things okay yeah cool not cool yeah that's yeah. cool the straw man and all that and um there are some that i find are really clear and that i um have i guess pretty organically figured out for myself maybe or with help of people <laughs> reasonable people in my environment um sure. through my upbringing but then, then there are others where i go like but how so how do we know that that's absolutely logically uh, unsound? Like I need, um, do you know, like I just, uh, I haven't completely um, internalized also, Yeah, all of these to where I can, I'm sure that I'm identifying it. Like, has he actually made that fallacy and that I actually understand why it is, mm. why it makes what he is saying incorrect? Because maybe you can just make fallacies and still be. How about this? <laughs> Think about his claim yeah. as an equivalent to the coin flip example. So All like right. the, the, you and Dean Meadows both flip the coin, mm -hmm. caught it, you put it on the back of the hand. You don't know if it's heads or tails. He doesn't know that it's heads or tails. But later on, you became convinced that it was heads. Yeah. And so you ask him, how did you know this was heads? And he tells you, well, I read a lot of American history books. Yeah. And that's how I know that it's heads. And you're like, I don't know if that's the best way to know that that coin that we have in front of us is heads or tails. Mm -hmm. How does reading an American history book tell you what this coin is? Mm -hmm. If he says, and so that's like an equivocation fallacy. He's using, you know, uh, like a historical sense of one thing to explain something completely different. Right. Uh, okay. Well, the coin was flipped in the past and I'm reading some books that were about the past. Therefore, that gives me enough information to like tell you what that coin is, heads or tails. Yeah. But there's not enough information in those books to validate if this is a heads or tails yeah. coin flip. Yeah. Same thing for, the, especially for a supernatural claim, which requires a lot more evidence or a higher standard, yeah. in my opinion. I um, totally get that. <laughs> I also would say if he said, hey, I have, a, I have an authority that's really, really smart about coin flips, and he told me that it was tails over the phone. It's like, well, your authority doesn't really matter here. Like, we have a coin that could be heads or tails. Mm -hmm. Your authority might be wrong. I don't know how. He might be an expert on coin flips, true, but I don't know if his information is really going to persuade me to tell me that I have a reliable way to tell me what this coin is. I'm not mm -hmm. trying to get right. I'm not With the coin flip thing, I'm not mm -hmm. trying to be right. I'm just yeah. trying to have a reliable method to get to the right answer. 
So the conclusion might be that it's actually tails and I was, and if I guess it, I'll be right. But that's not a reliable method to like figure out things. So you got to think about the process or the path that the guy's using to get to the conclusion, whether he's using a method or not, whether he's using some sort of understanding. And if he's saying history books is what I use to confirm the Bible, those are two very different things. Uh, the difference being in that history books describe mundane things, typically American war, civil wars, things like that. The holy book that he's referring to has, as he mentioned, a resurrection in it of a guy who was killed publicly, put in a tomb for three days in Mesopotamian era idea of like germ theory and all that stuff, and was brought back totally fine and then I guess disappeared into like heaven in like a beam of light or whatever. That's that is a incredible claim. And you need more than one history book or even his mm -hmm. holy book. Even those two things combined are not enough to substantiate that claim. You need more mm -hmm. evidence for that. Just like a coin flip, like, hey, I read a history book that tells me what this is. Like, that's not enough. You're going to need to, like, show me an x-ray. You're going to need to show me, like, some really cool thing. You're going to have to pry my hands off of it, things like that. Mm -hmm. Is the evidence he's presenting suitable to believe the thing that you're working with? And I think when I think about stuff in that kind of an analog analogy way, yeah, analog analogistic sense, I, I don't mm -hmm. want to use new words, but um, it makes what, what fallacy he's using a lot more clear to me. Yeah. It's like, you're claiming the supernatural thing happened. How did you get to your confidence if we both didn't know at a certain point? What method were you using? And is that method reliable? That's mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. I get that. Does that I make more sense? So does. you can read those cards. I can guarantee you if you ever say, here's the fallacy that you're committing and you throw out the card, that'll <laughs> never work in a conversation. <laughs> yeah, no. They'll never like it. But it's good for you to be able to recognize which ones maybe it'll help you figure out what kind of question you need to ask next and i think yeah. maybe like a, a good example in that sense i'd be like i have a dog right would you believe me if i have a dog if i just mm -hmm. said i had a dog it's like yeah maybe people have dogs it's not that big of a deal it's like mm -hmm. if i showed you a picture of a dog would you believe it that like i had in my house I'm like yeah that i would say that's your dog but if i said i have a purple magical dragon right mm -hmm. do you believe me it's like most people aren't going to believe you and even if you show them a picture of a purple ma magical dragon they're not mm -hmm. i'm sorry baby I'm sorry. They aren't going to believe you. They aren't mm -hmm. going to believe you. So you need more evidence to support more extraordinary claims. And as a result, if he doesn't have extraordinary evidence, there's no reason for you to be convinced and that of his extraordinary claim. Mm -hmm. And that's that should have been like the real angle of that conversation. The details of what he believes are important. It's that method. That's the details are all his conclusion. Mm -hmm. And here he is saying them. But that method is what's really the the thing you should be targeting. And mm -hmm. I think in the conversation you had with them, you're really targeting like uh, the conclusion and maybe asking some like classical apologetics or mm -hmm. counter apologetics that kind of missed this really bigger yeah. issue. Yeah, well, I was kind of going for how did you conclude that the Bible was reliable? Because that's what he keeps on saying. Is that's where he got that's his evidence. Um, yeah, even if it was really reliable, um, even if it was really reliable, yeah. if it's if it's not reliable through the whole thing, and there's like one thing that's wrong, there's no guarantee that the resurrection is the reliable thing. How do I put it? If there's if he's pointing at multiple different books mm. and he's saying, well, you know, John's gospel is spotty, like it doesn't have the the sermons that Jesus gave, but if we look in Luke. Then it has the things that John must have heard. So you can combine those two things. Like he was starting to do these mm -hmm. things where he was like piecing together spotty anecdotal evidence. 
and I'm like, if the standard of evidence that you have is not complete, mm. if it's not like absolutely complete and it has to be inspired by man and all that stuff, mm-hmm. is there a possibility that some stories are just, and it's some, I think he said he in a metaphor, some stories are metaphorical in a sense. Mm. Well, if that's the case, what method is he using to determine what's metaphor and what's not? And how does he apply that to like, you know, the resurrection? But mm. at that point, you're already sinking knee deep into like the swamp of details that he spent his entire life understanding. You, How do I get out of that swamp? That's yeah, what I'm not getting. Don't, in my opinion, never get into the details of what he's talking about. <laughs> Just stay on that upper level epistemology. Just say, hey, okay, so you're convinced that that's true. Like you can wrap it all up. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. so Jesus' gospels, resurrection, these anecdotal evidence mm-hmm. from the Bible, you're convinced that that's true. Why? And how does that relate to the conclusion that you have being true? Like, here's um, all the things that you're saying. How does that when, relate to a true claim? And when he keeps on repeating that it's in the Bible, it's in the gospel, it's in these different verses that he brings up, how, what do I then do? Hmm, okay. He seems like just... a really, really nice guy. And I think you have a really good conversational tone with him, too. So I think he'd answer, I think he would answer the question as honestly as possible, at least from my mm-hmm. impression of you from talking to you and I would yeah. I would I would instead of challenging the Bible by asking him well what makes you think the Bible's true because that's yeah. going to trigger a very specific set of claims for him right. ask him something that's unrelated but that's analogous to the situation the situation that's at art at that's at heart right now is I believe that I, I believe this book that has supernatural claims in it and I think those supernatural yeah. claims actually happened and here's my evidence to support those supernatural claims and you can say in your head without out loud, but saying mm-hmm. that's not enough evidence to support a supernatural claim. That's the mm-hmm. problem that I see. So mm-hmm. what kind of questions can I ask to highlight the idea that you need more evidence to support a supernatural claim than not? And that's when I throw out the dog examples. Like, can I throw an example out at you? So if I said I had a pet cat, um, would you believe me? Especially if I showed you a, the the cat that I have, would you believe this is my pet? And be like, yeah, sure. Okay. If I said I had a spaceship, would you believe me? It's like, no. Well, if, what if I had a card that had a picture of me standing next to a spaceship? Would that make you believe me? Would you be more confident if that was right. the case? So and isn't I, it in that point, um, more than investigating his epistemology, I'm kind of pointing, I'm questioning, I'm kind of highlighting why I can't believe it. Is that yeah, what I'm doing? You, you have to recognize where the fallacy that he made was yeah. to an extent. Because you are trying to have an honest conversation with him where mm-hmm. you're learning stuff too. That's why mm-hmm. I'm saying the epistemology that you're doing is totally fine. And this is just an mm-hmm. angle that I would take. But mm-hmm. if I recognize a fallacy that someone's using, I don't immediately confront them with the fallacy because mm-hmm. that's going to be like attacking the person. And I'm not trying to attack the yeah, person. Yeah. Or the I'm, trying to, I'm trying to highlight a method. So what I'll throw out is, okay, you believe this. In my head, I'm saying you believe this, but for not enough evidence. Yeah. I'm going to throw you an example out to you that's a bit more mundane and a little bit off related. And we'll just work through the steps to see, do you understand what I'm saying? When you, when you say, no, I don't, I don't believe you. When you say you have a spaceship, could you understand when I say, well, I don't believe the Bible when it says a God came to earth as a human form and died for all of our sins. Like, do you see how they're both require more evidence than just one book or like one picture? Like that's an extraordinary claim that requires more evidence and And they should be able to come. Oh, go for it. That you wouldn't say that out loud either. Like all that stuff. Like I'm, can you understand why I'm struggling to no. understand? Yeah, because I just have to say this out loud for myself because <laughs> I feel the urge of saying that, like, what my problem is. Normally, like, if you 
if you have a good confidence scale set up at the beginning, at the beginning, mm -hmm. and again, it's not mandatory, but you go mm -hmm. through the questions where they recognize what's well, probably not enough evidence. Mm -hmm. And if you can get like a really good, if I have the same conversational tone that I had with, mm -hmm. that I had, or that, that I'm having with you and that you had mm -hmm. with Dean Meadows, mm -hmm. I would be happy saying, well, this is why I'm not following it along. My position is, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll probably do the coin flip at the end of the conversation, be like, well, I don't know, but like, I would need more evidence than just one book to say that this was heads or tails. And I guess that's why I'm coming to you, because the idea that a God exists is a lot more incredible than just this coin flip. And I even then, I wouldn't believe this coin flip is just a book or like four people saying that that was the case, you know, 2000 years ago. So maybe we just need better evidence. What do you think about that? Like open-ended questions. Those are great I things. I love that. And I like the coin flip at the end because I was contemplating doing um, those um, like thought exercises in the beginning with Dean, but I really do honestly believe that he would feel that I would be patronizing him if I would bring out the whole Ferrari thing in the beginning of a concept, yeah. conversation. Yeah. And he would be like, oh, sorry, I was about to say something really rude, but like, <laughs> you know, piss off. Like, this is. Oh, know. man. <laughs> you guys are fighting. Um, like, you know, and I don't no, want to do that. I don't want to go like, well, teen, have you ever thought of, you know, and I honestly think that that would be kind of patronizing, but the coin flip thing at the end, when I'm explaining my own, uh, yes. to be able to yeah. accept the, um, uh, these historical claims as evidence for supernatural, um, sure. phenomena mm. that, I, that I, that I can go, like, I can be all excited about that at that point. Right. Right. I understand. I'm thinking like it's good to have some pocket examples mm -hmm. that are inherently not patronizing, but yeah. anything can be patronizing based on the tone that you have. Like there's, there's like, um, oh man, there's, there's this guy on YouTube who has like a very patronizing tone of voice and yeah. I can't watch any of his videos, but he makes good content. So like if he, he does like let's plays and stuff like that. And he's like, now I'm going to get the power up. The power up powers you up. It's really powerful. I'm like, oh my God, stop <laughs> talking. Stop talking. Just get the thing. Just keep moving. But um, mm -hmm. I think if you are using a good tone, even things that you think in your head are patronizing are expressed mm -hmm. in a non-patronizing manner. And I think it's totally okay. fine to just say, can we can we can we take a step back and can I just try to get a better idea of this by asking like a couple mm -hmm. of questions? They might seem like random, but I'm trying to like mm -hmm. get a better understanding. I'm generally trying to understand and I really appreciate the time that you're giving me. So like if I had a dog, you would believe me that I have a dog if I just showed you a picture of the dog, right? It's like, yeah, sure, sure. Okay, well, if I said I had like, you know, a time machine that I got from the Gap, would you believe that if I showed you a picture of the time machine? It's like, probably not. Like, uh, could you understand then that a lot more evidence is needed to explain blah, blah, blah? I do a, like, just like that, just like okay. a nice, simple tone. I think you could totally have those kinds of talks with someone. Yeah, it's so cool. Thank you so much for giving those like real examples. Like I'm one of those kind of, I guess, um, I learned by seeing somebody else do it to really oh. kind of have an idea of how I would do it or then okay, really okay. understand it. Well, different things I learn in different ways, but yeah, but I really exactly. appreciate the examples. Exactly. Exactly. Um, let's see. What do we have other here? Bank robberies are a mundane claim. He used bank robberies as a means to, to explain why he believes in like a God, like there's these bank robberies and we can have like a criminal investigation to figure out who robbed the bank by asking different people. Mm -hmm. We did the same thing with them in the Bible. They asked different people and that proved that a God existed. I'm like, these are, again, you're using the same standard of evidence that you would use to explain something simple, to explain something really extraordinary. And 
you would need a higher standard of proof to explain that. So the questions that you may, it sounds like he already has examples to throw at you, but maybe you didn't have like wood ones to throw back at him, but mm -hmm. it's not a throwing example contest really, but it's good to have them in your pocket to know this is the fundamental thing that I think you might be sure. needing to improve in your reasoning for me to be convinced that you're telling the truth. Yeah, but yeah. there also I think I kind of uh, misunderstood him at least when I watched the the replay or playback um, replay was that I thought that he was talking about how there are like different versions of the same thing being yeah. documented. Therefore, like a detective who takes different types of like I, I didn't really understand it to begin with and um, mm. I was confused and I tried to, to get that clarified but still was kind of like not really on the was not following which happens a lot but I kind you know, of feel like if I really take it down to my speed it's like we're not mm. gonna get anywhere any anywhere I think interviews are so hard to do and I think your I think your format is a lot more like a like an interview Mm -hmm. I think my formats are a lot more like um, literally just talking to a random person and yeah. chatting. It was a conversational tone. Here in my house, it's like, oh man, I got mic'd up like I'm on Good Morning America or Skidway Doc. Like it's <laughs> like Good Morning America. Here we go. And so, like, I'm I feel a bit more professional than I normally mm -hmm. would, <laughs> even though I just woke up and I'm wearing my, the clothes I slept in. <laughs> but it's it's a lot more. I feel more on my guard than I mm -hmm. do outside but i again i think you have a really good way of lowering that down already so the question isn't so much how do i become a better interviewer because i think you're great already it's mm -hmm. just what kind of questions can i use to have a good influence in this conversation to where i can let my point of view be heard as well but yep. not force it into someone else yes we've by the way almost done an hour now okay do you want to go just, for 20 I more minutes respect your time yes i have time Okay, let me let me let me yeah, let me text my friend. We're gonna go hiking pretty soon. Uh, he hasn't yeah. texted me back. Yo, you good for that time, or do you want to meet later, or are you busy? And and would we would you? I'm oh, sorry. Would you like <laughs> to like give me a a video for me to watch and give you like my feedback? Yeah, um, I, um, I'll give it to you like uh, next time. <laughs> unfortunately, I hadn't posted it yet. It's not a good interview. I don't think I, I the guy didn't want to sit down at the table and he spent oh. most of his time just preaching at me. And okay. so I was really just trying to do my best to practice. What do you call it? Interrupting in a positive way. Oh, yeah. That's Maybe great. that's something. That's what I need to practice. I need to find people like that. Unfortunately, I didn't do a very good job with it because I didn't follow up with any questions behind it, but I thought it would be good for maybe other people to see. And I, yeah. I just didn't like the interview, so I'm kind of been hesitating to render it. But right. positive interruptions, my idea of how I do it is Dean Meadows will give you five claims in one sentence or like in one paragraph of like text. He'll be like, I believe in Jesus because, you know, he's the son of God. It's been said the Bible is, you know, written by man, uh, God, inspired by man, and it's holy. It, wholly perfect and i take it literally and this is why it's important to understand that there's different bibles that say different things but this one bible is the one true one because i believe in it and i was raised in that way and it has embarrassing stories in it and that means that it's more true and you can see four different people talking about it and that makes everything always true 100 percent of the time don't worry about it i'm right and he just throws it at you and you're like what do i do with all these things that he just said and what do I, how do i handle it like how do you respond to something like that so totally right 
So I found that I think Ben also told you this as well. Like, mm-hmm. it's good to just say, okay, I'm going to wrap up everything you said in just like a couple of sentences. And then we're going to go right back to the point of the question, right? And it first, it first requires you to identify what the point of the question is, which is yeah. how are you using, what method are you using to support a supernatural claim? Because that's the fundamental, that's the fundamental point of the resurrection stories. Like that's a supernatural claim. You say you have a methodology to say that it's true. What is that method? And is that method reliable? So he throws all the things out at you and you can say, okay, so if I hear you correctly, there was a guy named Jesus. He was talked about in a book that was viewed by multiple witnesses who wrote stories about him and that you believe that this book was inspired by, you know, being, how does any of that relate to the truth of the matter? Or is that, and is that substantial evidence to support a supernatural claim? That's like the dry way of saying it. The more friendlier way of saying it would be, I hear all these things that you're saying about like maybe Jesus and stuff. And I'm just trying to understand how does these evidences that you provided show that the resurrection was real? Could you show me a direct line? Like that, that forces him to do the heavy lifting for you because when you just clarify that you're just trying to get a better idea of how it mm-hmm. relates to the point of the conversation, one, you just summarize everything that he just said in a quick wrap up. Two, you show that you're only interested in one point, which is how does that point to the resurrection? That's the topic of the conversation. You brought it up. How do we get there? And three, it makes him parse from his own bag of things that he gave you to tell you what the most important of them are. And then then you have a more clearer line of what to talk about. So just be like, here's all these things that you said. I'm having trouble understanding how that relates to the point of the conversation. Can you show me how to get there with the things that you just told me? Cool. It's not a it's not a yes or no question either. It's an open ended mm-hmm. question. Yeah. You wrapped up. You're showing. Hey, I'm listening to you. You said all these things. Here's the point of the conversation. One of those things that you told me relates to the point of the conversation. Yeah. And if he says like all of it, ask him for like specific examples of how he gets from that thing he said to there. And then once he starts throwing them one at a time, mm-hmm. be willing to interject yourself and be like, okay, well I understand what you're saying here. Even if you're interrupting just to repeat back something he said, mm-hmm. that's a very very good skill too because you're interrupting him with his own words, which mm. doesn't feel like an interruption. And I also would never, I also would suggest never say interruption. Just say, can I repeat back what you said? I'm trying to catch up. Right. Can I interrupt? Can I repeat? Back? Never, never say interrupt. That right. makes people yeah. close up. No one likes being interrupted, but people love hearing what they just said and love teaching okay. people. And they'll say like, oh yeah, sure. Go on ahead. Then you, re- then you rephrase what they just said. And most often they will correct what you just said which is really their own words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had a conversation with a guy who was like, I believe pollution is destroying the world and it's my generation that's at fault. And I'll be like, can I just rephrase what you said? So you said your generation's responsible for the pollution and it's destroying the world. He says, no, 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 I didn't say that. I meant more like X, Y, Z. Like yeah. he corrected himself just from hearing what he was saying. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the best things about SC is it gives you busy writing paper as now still have another report to write up. So my friend, he won't be able to make it. Oh. So I'm, I'm good for a while then. Okay. That's cool, dude. Hold up. That's cool, dude. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I, th- I think that was one of the coolest things that I wrote down. I highlighted it and everything um, was to how to, what was it you said? Wait, wait, I have to find where I wrote down my, or it was your thought, but then I kind of, uh, if I give my 
yeah if I give my IPs too much time to talk and not enough to think like I put like I have my, my goal is to help them think in the moment which right. I haven't really um reflected on even though I said it I think to oh well anyway I haven't really reflected on that that what what are my goals in that moment and that one of those mm. goals can be to actually allow for thinking in right. the moment what would you say is like your major goals with SE in um, a conversation like your top three goals top three goals in se conversations well they are a bit different depending on who i'm talking to with dean it is for myself to learn se um is the goal can that be a goal is that a yeah, <laughs> yeah, answer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, with another lady um that i've probably done a, most se uh, online in Twitter, in direct messages, it has been to understand how she believes. Okay. Is that my goal, really? Is that honest, Linda? <laughs> and it's um, been to, uh, I do feel I have a goal there to just express, uh, she seems a bit afraid of atheists, so just to show that um, I can be nice and loving. <laughs> Like I don't have horns and stuff because we do talk a lot of kind of um, just everyday stuff. Would you say that it, well. your, your three goals are you believe that you want to improve at the skill of SE, like how you express yourself and, and, and talk yeah, to I other want, people? I do SE to become better at SE. Is that a circular okay. <laughs> motivation? No, it's why I play guitar. You know, like yeah. it's, I think that's totally fine. And then, and, the second... and why I would want to be good at SE would be to um, uh, help people reflect on what they believe if they haven't done so, or I, I believe ah, people don't really reflect that's on cool. these things. To would you say that's more of the foundation of that first goal that you have? Facilitate the reflecting of it. Would you say that's more of a foundation of that first goal that you have? Oh yeah, yeah. Like that's why okay. I want to get good at it. Okay, so then just to refine the position, you want to help, you want to help yourself and I guess the person that you're talking to reflect on their beliefs, yes. not only just why yes. you want to get better at SC, but why they believe in the things that they believe. Yeah, kind okay. of like just uh, loosen that knot of certainty. Not bad. And then second goal, you want to understand why people believe things in general? Yeah, so that I can help them loose the knot. <laughs> if they already had a good position. If they already had a good position. Yeah. I feel less um, your... less motivated, but uh, I've noticed that um, the more I do SE, the more mm. the whole good position becomes a little bit fuzzy. And mm. I think just practicing in, in uh, having good conversation with people uh, just to uh, actually conversate on the same subject. Mm, SE is good okay. for that, like yes. so that we don't just like this is my presentation and you're having your presentation and our thoughts don't really um, connect or or we're not getting each other quite possibly is what I've um, found as a phenomenon. So I would like to just have good conversations on all kinds of things where I actually Are, learn. And can we refine point two or maybe the foundation of point two is you just want to have good communication skills so that you can get two people to talk about the same thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. 
Um, and maybe even just to reflect and realize that, yeah, we might not, we might be disagreeing this of like violently or aggressively because we're not actually like talking. Sure. I think what the great thing about SE is you avoid those heated debates or arguments in mm -hmm, the first mm -hmm. place. So like, it's not just about conversational skills, but it's demonstrating a peaceful conversational method to have uh, a good, pleasant conversation with a deeply held belief with someone where you're both talking about the same thing and not past each other. Mm -hmm. And so my ultimate goal, my ultimate oh. direction is ultimate goal. world peace. World peace! <laughs> is, is what I You think. missed it. You missed it. South Korea and North Korea already shook hands. They already happened. We're all in the boat. Trump to thank for that. Thank you, Trump. Thank you, our president. Thank you, Trump. All right. Uh, I know, right? Anyway, um, the last goal that you said is you just want to put a good face for atheism, like with regard to talking to people. Is that accurate? Mm. That's kind of like dwindling because I had that before where I felt quite slighted as somebody of non-belief that that would entail that I have this baggage of, of negative attributes that are just are not a part of who I am. Um, uh, but I think there is something positive to that too but I don't know I, because I, I'm kind of on the fence with that because I also feel what's the opinion of atheism or atheists in Finland I thought it was a pretty secular environment it's secular but nobody really likes to shout out that they are atheist it's kind uh... of that thing like when I met my husband for example although he did write in his profile we met online in a dating site he did write okay. atheist and uh -huh. I was hugely impressed by that and I was like oh yeah somebody who would actually you know admit to it and that, that probably that leads me to assume that he knows what it means um and so that's really great but um when we then actually met and I was like and we started talking about atheism and stuff like that and I've been more kind of had the uh, activist streak in me yeah uh, he, he was just like well it doesn't really matter because it's just like an idiotic claim to begin with like who cares kind of thing okay. um and so I think yeah in Finland this is my opinion I bet there are lots of different opinions and it depends on where you are geographically in the country also it changes a bit mm. but um I would say that uh like atheists people will have to say that they're atheists are kind of troublemakers that whatever beliefs people do have in this country, uh, whether they be like they like to do uh, church things as a tradition, but they don't disbelieve in um, evolution or they don't necessarily believe that God created the planet, but they like doing these um, tradition things, that they are free to do so. And if you go like, I'm atheist as, as your child is being christened in this traditional ma manner, is considered to be disruptive. Oh, okay. Okay. So uh, atheists should therefore kind of like, um, they can be that, we might all be that, but we shouldn't say it out loud. Mm. <laughs> we shouldn't upset each other in that way. And if you I do guess... have a belief that is irrational, it is your freedom to, to have it. Just so I can catch up then. So there's a perspective in Finland that people who are atheists tend to be troublemakers by the fact, very fact that they pronounce their mm. lack of belief Mm -hmm. which others view as disruptive to traditional things. And even if they agree on the same position, it's like, yeah, I don't believe it either, but I'm not making a fuss about it. Why are you making a fuss about it? Yes. Like that's the general impression of, of it. Like no one that's takes religion I... seriously enough to the point where anyone feels motivated to exclaim that they don't believe in religion. Mm -hmm. And if there was the general, I guess, what would you say? Implicit understanding is, well, we don't believe it either. So just shut up. Yeah. 
kind of. And then there are different levels of, I guess, if you would dig deeper into that, there are people who are that then that, but I do believe in some type of energy or deity, possibly ah, kind of fuzzy yeah. type, but of course it's not Google the church. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> it's not the religion. The religion got say? it wrong, but there still is a high possibility that there is something. With regard there. to your third point, would you say then that like it's not just about putting a good face on atheism, but to show that you can have these kinds of conversations representing atheism in a way that's not destructive or troublemaking or like, you know, crazy or like offensive or disruptive? Yeah, that my intentions are good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and I actually think it's a virtue to um, think critically. I think it's a virg virtue to um, hold off on the certainty of God's existence. Okay, okay, cool. So I think we wrapped up something really awesome then. We're an open mind kind of thing. So you're recording this right now, right? I am. Okay, so I think like maybe for like the last, I don't know, 10 minutes, we'd had a good back and forth with regard mm -hmm. to like how to properly, positively interject mm -hmm. in a conversation with someone's talking. And then if you look back on that, we could just show like, you don't have to say, can I interrupt you? Can we talk about that first point that you said again? Yeah, yeah, I don't understand it. Explain it again. Can I interrupt you on the second point? Hey, can I, <laughs> may I, can I express myself, please? Can I talk? Okay, yeah. The third point, I didn't understand that. Can you do it again, please? Or can you explain that? I didn't get it. I disagree with that. Like, you can have, and it's not patronizing. I think I'm you can totally have... It was really cool. It yeah, felt really have... nice. It was like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm being, like, heard. <laughs> And, and also and also kind of like clarified, like I like the way Tyrone says it because it was like what I said, but it just sounds kind of even nicer. It's your words. Is, is it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, so I'm kind head... of getting how I could um, also with my questioning and I see right. that it is, I think I've been kind of scared in the beginning right. that I'm um, right. setting people up mm. for something that is not... Um, nice for them because I might be setting them right. up to be faced with um that so, they have been kind of like had bad logic or been incorrect in really, something let's get into and that. so I would like to kind of I really appreciate this experience now because it's kind of showing me that it um that might be um an irrational unnecessary fear Mm, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't think of I don't think of maybe my idea of SC is a lot different. Like I said, there's mm -hmm. no one way to think about SC. Yeah. I think of it as a tool to use when I'm already having a conversation with someone. Yeah. So I don't think of something as like an SC mode. If you see, yeah, I, I think I think Anthony Magnavasco is like probably one of the best articulators of SC and maybe one of the most fundamental practitioners of it. Mm -hmm. I would say of his style, he has a very much an SE style. Yeah. Like he gets into an SE mode, and when you're in, when he's engaging with someone, he's demonstrating the method as it mm -hmm. works. And I feel like I don't I like from all the videos that I've seen on his YouTube, I don't feel like I have a good idea of how he talks to someone who's not when he's not engaging in SE with him. Because mm -hmm. I remember texting him, and I was like, "Hey man, I'm out here with the first time. I got my table, and I showed him a picture of like the table, and he's like." Fuck yeah, go for it. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> who is this guy? <laughs> he says yeah. a lot. I feel yeah, like the tone is like completely different. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I thought he was be like, oh, do you are you in front of a table? What's your method to believe that you're outside doing Etsy? So like he has like a mode that he gets into yeah. and those conversations. Sure. And I think 
read night and I there's nothing wrong with that. I think there's no one way to do SE, but read nice wonder style. Uh, Reed, who has like the video mm -hmm. cameras, yeah. really brilliant setup. His style is much more neutral, like, mm -hmm. uh, and I think it's probably better in California because I lived there for a long time. There's some crazy people out there, but he, people will go out there and be like, "I was abducted by aliens, man! I was abducted by aliens." And, yeah. and anyone wrong has uh, uh, 14 averted fetuses in the brain. I've learned this. I went to college 14 times. I have 14 degrees from Harvard, and he's just like. <laughs> This would okay. be me if somebody said that. Okay. Right. But his style is like perfect for his environment. But I also yeah. don't feel like I understand how he would behave outside of an SE mm. conversation. His mode mm. is neutral. Anthony's mode is very, very cordial, very, very nice. Mm -hmm. I, the mode that I'm trying to go for is one where I'm demonstrating that you don't need an SE mode. You can talk mm -hmm. to someone, you can talk to someone, and then you okay. can be like, here's a good moment to like throw in some maybe SE, but I'm not going to like get into the mode. I'm just going to reason out the questions as I'm talking to someone, like in a, in a chatting format. And then yeah. when I'm done using that SE questions, I'm back to just talking. And it should be a smooth transition between I'm, I'm using SE, I'm not. I'm using it, I'm not. Mm -hmm. To the point where it's just a blurry kind of like, this is how you can talk to someone and get to their beliefs in a really friendly, laid back kind mm -hmm. of a way. Mm -hmm. And I think the way that you do it is going to be your own way. Mm -hmm. But there's no one way to do it. And I think that's, that's how I get around the hook of, um, I feel like I'm at, starting a conversation out of false pretenses. Like yeah. my pretense is this whole thing that I'm having with you right now. So like mm -hmm. people who get into it, understand from the get-go, this is going to be a friendly thing. We're going to talk about some stuff. And then when we're done in five minutes, we're done. And if you want to keep talking, that's totally cool with me too. I hope that explains it. Maybe that's not the best answer to give, but. Hmm. No, it's again, crystal clear for me. Um, okay. Okay. Um. Do you have any questions for me? Well, mm. We can do this again, totally. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go for, I gotta go feed my cat too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, don't bite. He's not biting. All right. No, I, like, I have nothing, no questions to clarify anything that we've spoken of today. Nothing I'm to clarify. Let's see. Because anyway, um, I can go back and look at it again. And usually I'm better with questions after things have sunk in a bit. But there's nothing okay. like immediate that I'm going like, wait, what did you mean? No. Okay. Um, I would recommend. <laughs> there's a guy who's making an SE video. He goes by Ben. Uh, I think you talked to him before and you left a comment on your last video. Ben Diesel. He... Ben Diesel. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not his real name, but it's a funny, he's got a great sense of humor. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, that guy. And um, something like that I really- Feeds of thought. Yes. Yeah. Something, I, something I really appreciate about him is um, he is completely willing to break down your yeah. interviews in a really constructive but critical format. And he did that since the very first one that I put out. And when I first got it, I was like, finally, some guy out here who's not just <laughs> liking the video and not leaving yeah. any comment. But like yeah. the guy is like, Tyrone, here's the things that I think you would, that's maybe something you could work on in the future. And I, I hear it and it's not like aggressive and he's not coming at me like a terrible person. He's like mm -hmm. really interested in making me better. And um, the only thing that I could do is return the favor. I think mm -hmm. between you, me and him, mm -hmm. um, 
those are the only those are the only guys and there's a guy named ben ritchie as well he's on mm -hmm. facebook he hasn't done any sc vids but he lives very nearby me and he wants to get into it but cool. these are we're having like a small coalition of people who are willing to give constructive feedback, feedback to one another and, and i, I mean that who i have yet yes. to give you a breakdown but i um i'm getting to it because i've also not felt that i've had anything really good to write yet mm. but i'll get okay. to it okay 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 <laughs> you know like it takes me time to get the also the kind of courage and to sit down with it and all that and i am mm. really slow if i've got a conversation coming up i kind of like find it hard to focus on on other stuff um i won't say i won't say it's a nordic thing it's definitely not because i've met some mm. really really I've met some Swedish people who are really eager to critique me mm. <laughs> in a way that I wasn't prepared for. Mm. But when I went to Chalmers uh, and mm -hmm. I went to Helsinki yeah. and I went to uh, I went to Norway a little bit. Oh, I forgot where I went in Norway, but um, I was also in Denmark in Skagen. Skagen is mm -hmm. like a city there. Yeah. I gave talks there and I noted that when I gave a presentation, like when I gave my practice, we normally have a practice presentation before we give like the full amount and we're presenting with a bunch of other speakers. But when we do our practice session, we're free to give critiques and feedbacks of what we could change to like modify our talks for the audience that we're speaking to. So when I was in Chalmers and I gave, when I was listening to the practice talks, I mm -hmm. noticed that whenever I was speaking, everyone just said, yes, very good. And that's it. Oh, hey, 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 good. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. But when I when I give my critique, it's like, uh, you misspelled these things in English. Um, the the saying the format of how you would say that is wrong. Uh this this graph that you're using doesn't have a citation on it, and it looks like you made it in paint. I would have a very big critique on things like that, like where'd you get that data from? Uh, where's that substantiated evidence from? Um, mm -hmm. I and then could you go to like page four? Like you have, you're showing this molecule and you're like only showing one peak in this chromatogram. That molecule has two, like, what is that peak from? And there'll be people in the audience who be like, well, you shouldn't ask that. I'm like, this is a science lecture that we're about to yeah. like present. You need to know these things because people are gonna hold you to a higher standard. And mm -hmm. the best thing I can do for you as your friend is let you know that I'm holding you to a high standard. I'm not gonna let you go lower. I'm gonna push you mm -hmm. higher. And everyone should do that for each other. Yeah. Um, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um, I just haven't been very active with that. Well, I've been active with that with here and there, but not with you yet. Also, okay. because you're so incredibly um, great at what you do, but I do realize that I have, um, that I'm good at other stuff and just uh, giving feedback, if you oh. sit and think about it, is of course something that can always um, be, valu be valuable. And I come from a background of theater where the whole basis oh, of really? doing theater is giving, that. yeah is feedback like you can't do it without um giving feedback so i do get it i'm going to get into it more and i, I absolutely agree with what you just said and i think you already have your comfort zone like my comfort mm -hmm. zone is just having fun conversations with people mm -hmm. i think your comfort zone in my opinion is sitting in your kitchen and like having these really delightful <laughs> conversations with people <laughs> Well, the thing is also that right now it's kind of like a necessity because I want to do this in English for purely selfish reasons at the moment oh, okay. um, because I enjoy talking in English and I um, don't get the chance to do that too often. Well, now I do all the time because of SC and that's the whole point for me. I want to do it in English. Uh, I do see this as a global um, kind of opportunity to uh, 
spread SE in a really delightful way. And so for me to be able to do this in English, it really kind of requires this kitchen to be able to invite people here is my oh, thinking. Cool. Although I did, I was invited to this um, rehearsal, uh, refugees rehearsing a play or a movie, a short movie in Helsinki. Cool. All of those guys then speak English as their second language, and I was thinking of maybe setting up like SE interviews with them. Um, but yeah, I want to do it in English. I want to do it globally, kind of, is what I'm okay. thinking. My thing. I don't. Re I haven't analyzed that too much yet. Cool. I I look forward to that. Um, be careful who you invite in your home. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but I'm thinking yeah. like even if I go out of this kitchen, I don't yeah. really see myself doing SE in Swedish or Finnish. Uh I don't exactly know why yet. Okay. Um but I'm just I'm not motivated to do it in Swedish or Finnish. Okay, okay. I would I think I think you have any option available to you. Mm -hmm. And it'd be cool in my personal opinion to see two people speak in Swedish in SE because I don't think I've ever seen a video of a non English SE conversation. Mm -hmm someone who's trilingual who's like in the place where it happens that'd be just cool for the sake of showing that it's possible so feel free to experiment like i said there's no one way to do this have, have fun contributing to this effort Street Epistemology is a technique by Dr. Peter Boghossian in his book, A Manual for Creating Atheists, and his Android and iOS app, Atheos.